Hello, and welcome to the Breathwork Club, a podcast designed to help you connect with your breathing. My name is Brian Malone, and thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I had a chat with Chris Letty. Chris is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and he teaches this martial art from his facility in Wicklow, Ireland. He is also a breathwork teacher. He came to the practice of breathwork in his search to heal from a debilitating back injury. And after trying many different approaches and treatments, what changed everything was when he started to focus on his breathing. Chris takes a strength-based approach to breathwork with a particular focus on the rib cage, how it relates to our breathing and the knock-on effect that this can have on the rest of the body. I think it's useful to remember that the exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide is technically called ventilation. Breathing is the movement which accompanies this process. As Chris points out, the movements and shapes we make when we breathe have a profound and wide-reaching impact on us both physically and energetically. I found this chat really beneficial. Chris is really passionate about what he shares, and he clearly puts the time and effort into both his own practice and his teaching. For those of you with a keen interest in breathwork, I'd highly recommend checking out Chris's content on Instagram and YouTube which are linked to in the show notes. And I'd maybe recommend listening to this chat with a pen and paper to take some notes. So here's my chat with Chris. I hope you enjoy. First of all, Chris, I want to say a big thank you for taking the time to to come on and, and have this chat. You are on Instagram at Breathing Deadly. That's me. And I don't know if anyone will ever invent an award for the best Irish-based breathing Instagram name. <laughs> if they did, you'd be a shoe in, mate. It's amazing. I appreciate <laughs> it, man. I appreciate it. I wonder because I have, I, I've wondered how many people got that in the deadly bleeding deadly, but I've had a few people say, oh yeah, that's gas. But I think because there's a few people from the UK, the States, other English speaking places around the world. And I'm not sure if they're like, what's he talking about? Anyway, yeah, I actually thought I I can't even remember how I thought of that. I have a side hustle, Brian, of uh, thinking of business names. So if you need it, if you ever need any help in that regard, I'll reach out for sure. Um, And how are you keeping today? How's your day going so far? Go cool, man. I, like I said to you before we started, I'm my usual job is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach and I have a, a gym and a facility in Bray in Wicklow. And we're usually teaching classes all day, every day, all week. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine with the lockdown, something like martial arts and grappling like that has been low on the list of reopening. So uh, other than personal training sessions and stuff, which have all been on Zoom, mm-hmm. I've had a quiet few months shall we say um, imagine which which at the start was nice brian but at this stage i think like everybody else we're we're sick of it and we're looking forward to getting back to work yeah i i actually found the first few months of the whole covid thing and lockdowns like incredibly valuable on a personal level and i know that's 
a part of me almost feels guilty in a sense saying that because obviously it was a time that was incredibly difficult for a lot of people but I found it like for me it was amazing a chance to slow down a chance to kind of clear my head almost just take a step back from the the routine that I'd been in but definitely now (laughs) I'm, I'm ready to get back into some sort of you know external existence let's say no I'm the same I'm I actually had a bit of a Truman show experience in a sense where I thought so before the lockdown, which was what, March 2020, a few months previous to that, I had this low back injury, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about today, which is actually what led me to this world of breathing mm-hmm. and breath work. Um, but my job as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu teacher and my hobby as a martial artist, you can imagine, was compromised slightly by this serious low back injury. And I've been training every day full time for 10 years plus, Brian. And I was I kind of felt lost when I couldn't train. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, everybody gets to go to jiu-jitsu. But I can. and then nobody can go to jiu-jitsu now because of the lockdown, <laughs> you know. So on one hand, I, I initially I felt out not like I was missing out, but I was like, well, when I get back after this injury, everyone's going to be so good. But nobody's been training. <laughs> well, <laughs> some people have been doing some sneaky training, I'm sure. But yeah, I uh, it's the longest time I've been away from sport and stuff uh, due to an injury. But I was lucky, like you, to ha- like you said, to have lots and lots of time to focus and study and research and and give myself the best chance to recover from this injury which and and uh, subsequent surgery as well on the Mm. low back and again i'm just thankful that if i if i had work to juggle with my own rehab journey i'm not sure how well either would have gone you know Mm. i'm sure my my work and the quality of work that i was doing wouldn't have been great and I'm also sure the driving to and from work, the moving, the demonstrating, the techniques, the even just focusing on all of these other people as opposed to selfishly focusing on myself. It was just a nice excuse, I guess, to be selfish, wasn't it? You could, you, your circle was small. You had to worry about a little bit less people. Um, and you have, yeah, a nice opportunity to, to be selfish, which is good sometimes. Yeah, I definitely think with the right frame of mind, there the last year has offered a lot of opportunities in a way that, like you said, that we don't necessarily get the chance always in normal, everyday, everyday life. Absolutely. Financial burdens aside, you know, assuming like that's obviously, that's a big one. And for someone like myself, whose source of income is teaching martial arts and is Mm -hmm. teaching group classes and, you know, to be paying for a facility, there's, there is this whole side of it that's that's very very negative but i think it would be a shame again this is maybe the privilege speaking in us here but i think it would be a shame to let that uh, negative side define the whole last year you know especially if you didn't get sick or you didn't know anyone that got sick and you were just locked down for want of a better word there's lots of lots of good things you can do lots of things you can learn there's lots of online courses and study and i th- I, I think it would be a shame to have come out of the last year and a half worse worse off especially if you didn't get sick you know yeah yeah definitely so isn't that ties in a little bit nicely to what i wanted to begin with which would be a little bit about your background you know in as much or as little detail as you as you want to go into but sure maybe just the things in your life that that led you towards doing the work that that you do now of course so like i mentioned before i'm my main 
hobby and job and passion for essentially my whole adult life, Brian, has been Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I've been a full-time student of jiu-jitsu, as in that has been my only output and income um, since 2010. Uh, now, this makes me sound like some sort of, you know, martial arts disciple. It's not necessarily like that. But I, what I mean is I've been involved in this for a long time. And jiu-jitsu is a cool sport where all sorts of people are attracted to it. They're, you're you're going to have people who are interested in yoga. You're going to have people who are interested in weights. You're going to have people who are interested in none of the above. You're going to have people of all ages and all creeds and all work experience and stuff. So where I'm going with this is I've met a lot of people through teaching jujitsu and through training jujitsu. And as such have been exposed to many different training methodologies, whether that was a uh, yoga, which is something that's very big in the world of jujitsu, whether that was a uh, weights or kettlebells or even different recovery and diet protocols. There's always different fit people around that you can say hey what are you doing for this what are you doing for that so the have seen a lot of things and have have tried a lot of things over the years throughout my 10 years of training brian and a little bit previous to that as well i've struggled uh, a little bit brian with low back pain um back pain that didn't really didn't really require anything other than a few stretches I, the odd trip to a physio for a massage or something like this. And I was back to normal in two weeks. And if you're wondering what type of back pain it is, it's probably the exact same type of lower back pain that 95% of people have that dull ache. It's hard to get down and tie your shoes. I'm walking as if I'm 90 years old. I'm very, very stiff, but you know, lie on my back with my legs up against the wall for a couple of hours, put an ice pack here, stretch my hip flexors, do some, some foam rolling uh, dry needling. I tried all of these different things and they all worked for a time. It wasn't until, um, Brian, where was it? I think it was 2019, the end of 2019 that I developed this sciatica pain seemingly out of nowhere. Okay. I woke up one morning with a, I was actually, I was sitting on a couch with my, you know, the classic old man reading the newspaper with one, <laughs> one ankle up over my knee and I'm, I'm sitting, I have my laptop on my, on my lap. And I wasn't even sitting there for that long. I got up and I had pins and needles in my glute. And I was like, oh, that's a bit strange. That's not something that I've experienced before. It went away. And then the next day I woke up with this pain that just slowly, slowly, slowly marched on into becoming, Brian, quite debilitating sciatica. Uh, I got to the point of obviously requiring a surgery on my low back, but I, I couldn't really walk. I couldn't use the bathroom. I... Uh, had an epidural steroid injection to try to help, which didn't do anything. I was taking all sorts of painkillers and I was prescribed antidepressants and anti-epilepsy medicine because of the combined effect that they have on the nerve to try to numb the pain. Uh, I was, I, this progressed into a really, really bad place. And over this course of back pain that, like I said before, I had had two weeks here and there every five, six months due to what I considered a, a lot of overtraining probably and just general mismanagement. And in my head, Brian, I'm going, well, everyone has a sore back don't yeah. they? because lots of people do. But yeah, this one kind of lasted a long time and steadily got worse and worse. And I had felt, Brian, like I had exhausted available to me any and all methods and any 
every professional that I could see. And I was spending money that I couldn't really afford to spend on different treatments. And I was sticking to these treatments and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, which, which led me to the surgery and which has today, Brian is the one year anniversary from the surgery. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm long story short, I'm doing good. I'm in a good position here, which is what gives me some confidence to talk about some of the stuff that we'll talk about today. But I met a, a guy called David Gray, uh, a rehab exercise coach guy based in Waterford, a coach guy. That's <laughs> certainly, he's a lot more than a coach guy. But, um, and I did some online sessions with him. Brian, one of the first things he asked me it was how, Chris, like, how are you breathing? And I was going, oh, come on, like, what's, I'm in a really, really, really bad way. I hadn't, I had had no experience of breath work other than f from a fitness or a meditative perspective, you know, and I'm going, come on, Dave, I'm not going to relax my way out of this. Mm -hmm. What is very, very serious pain. I, I didn't sit in a chair, Brian, and that's no exaggeration for six months plus I was, I was only, I could stand or I could go on my belly in a cobra position. The only time I would sit down would be to struggle to use the bathroom. And I was at the point where if, if I had to sneeze or if I had to cough, I would almost say my last rites, <laughs> saying my goodbyes to everyone in the house going, guys, this could be the end. Um, and me, a, a martial arts coach, Brian, to be in a position here where not only can I not do my sport clearly, but I could can't even cough i can't even use the bathroom for a number two you know and then this guy that i'm meeting david on a zoom call i'm thinking he has the nerve to ask me how am i breathing you know <laughs> which we will get to but he also asked me brian any stress any stress big stressful events over the last couple of years which frustratingly those two questions were not asked to me by anyone else or those two areas were not acknowledged by anyone else the whole way through my process, a process which led to an expensive surgery. It, do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And a, which is quite a serious intervention to have. And you'd think they might even just suggest or, or be curious about some of these other areas. But David asked me, any Chris, any big stresses over the past couple of years? And I'm thinking, no, David, you know, I've, I've recently, this is this sciatica bout started a short couple of months after I moved into a new house, I'm sharing a house with some long-term friends of mine. I, I'm, you know, I'm have a, a girlfriend that I've started seeing recently. I'm, I'm feeling good. I have a job that I love doing. I'm teaching jujitsu and I'm going, no, to be honest, I have a pretty happy life, a pretty easy life in terms of work. I really enjoy it. And I'm going, no, no. And he's going, come on, Chris, prod yourself there. Have a think. And I go, mm. well, my dad passed away about a year and a half ago. A really long-term relationship broke up very shortly after that, out of nowhere, out of the blue. I'm running a, a small business that I've been trying to put a brave face on for the last hundred, for the last year and a half since all this happened. So I was like, "Do those count? Do you know, is that stress?" And something that I just never, because I wasn't doing Brian the typical bottle it up. I was expressing myself. I was talking to people. A number of my friends have had their father pass away. It was it was colon cancer. It was my dad and number of my friends. It's it, luckily is the wrong word, but in terms of support, mm. all had the same experience. It was something that we could openly talk about with each other. I have siblings and I had family to support, so it wasn't something that I was bottling up. It wasn't something. It was very sad, but it wasn't something that I felt was stressing me in the typical sense. You know, I was still living my life. 
but I guess the stress and its effect on my breath and the, the areas of my body that were becoming chronically tight and the areas of my body that were moving too much and the areas that weren't, these all had a combined effect on my posture, on my pain, evidently, um, but on my spine, most importantly, and to the point where months and months into my years into my work with David now, not I have realized that not only was the breathing stuff and restoring proper function to a rib cage and the muscles of the core, not only was this the cure, but was actually the cause, I think, and mm -hmm. and which is something that I'm sure we'll explore a little bit further throughout the chat. But that's basically me, Brian, and that's how I arrived in this spot with the page that is breathing deadly. I I had great success with this method. I've been a coach for, like I said, a long, long time. And I thought, geez, well, it'd be a shame for me to know this just for myself and, and not pass this on. So I made it my business to, David pointed me in the direction of a few qualifications or a few certificates. Again, something that you can do online, you know? And I came out of this lockdown with more information for myself, with very, very well-informed and researched rehab. And in a position now to document that on the breathing deadly page and share some of that stuff and brian i've been really surprised with the scope that i've had you know i i thought initially it was going to be just some of my jujitsu friends coming for oh what's that you're doing chris that looks interesting i've had doctors and physiotherapists and osteopaths and pilates and yoga instructors i've had professional athletes i've had people from australia the us new zealand uk and i'm I'm going, what? I'm just, I've only figured this stuff out in the last 12 months, you know? <laughs> and what, what that speaks to is all of those people can see, wow, this makes a lot of sense. Mm. And all of those people have done their years of training and practice and, and they have much experience in the world that is the body. And it's just something that nobody gives any consideration to. So was in 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 some regards you know i'm sure of course people give regard to and consideration to the breath but certainly not in the way that it affected me brian um so yeah that's me that's how i started the breathing deadly page that's how i ended up in back pain and the breathing work and the breath work that david showed me and that i share on the page is certainly how i got out of that pain yeah i think it's Definitely people's awareness of, as you were saying there, the kind of scope of breathing that I think people would always, you know, to a certain extent, be aware of their breathing would always be a very central aspect to any kind of meditative practice. But I think particularly what I've seen, at least in the last year or two, like you said, the awareness around people who work in physiotherapy, uh, osteopaths, um, like weightlifters, crossfitters of how just central our breathing is to not just our mental performance, for want of a better word, but our physical performance. And not just in terms of getting oxygen into the body, but in terms of how our body structures itself around how we are breathing. And I did a little bit of work with David myself last year. Um, I got a small little knee injury, a knee injury that I actually thought was going to be quite catastrophic in terms of just my knee completely locked up i couldn't really move it and um, i have a friend who's a physiotherapist he was saying that it, he thought it might be something called a bucket handle tear mm. which is one of these like require surgeries and six to eight months of rehab and then someone 
told me about David. And so I did one session with him, but I always remember it when I had to fill out his sort of pre, um, pre-appointment form that on the form it said, what is your history of injuries and trauma? And he said, don't leave anything out because mm-hmm. nothing, is, nothing is inconsequential. You know, mm-hmm. every little detail you can give me. And I just remember thinking I'd never had that experience with a physio before. You know, uh, physios, in my experience, at least, uh, tend to be more mechanical and, you know, what's your physical injuries. But this is very much what's what's happened to you in life, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, and and through my work with him, the injury turned out to not be so serious. And for me, at least a huge part of it was actually relaxing how I was relating to that area. He's a great guy, really interesting dude, does really, really valuable work Um. I was hoping for a moment, actually, if we could slightly circle back and yeah. for the people listening to this interview or this chat who might not be aware of what jujitsu is, could mm-hmm. you maybe give us a little idea of, 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 yeah, of course, what that yeah. practice is? And also, because I know jujitsu does have a sort of a history or tradition of breath work. And so how breathing maybe ties in with, with the practice of jujitsu in, in your experience. Of course. Yeah. So jiu-jitsu or brazilian jiu-jitsu um is the martial art that i practice uh i'm a black belt i've been training for a, a long time like i said and it's a new sport and a new martial art in relation to some other martial arts it it's kind of a branch from uh, a traditional japanese and jiu-jitsu and judo and stuff like that and the easiest way to explain it to everyone would be most people would be familiar with the ufc or conor mcgregor or athletes like this and jujitsu or grappling, it, it would be all of the fight that isn't the punching and kicking. So the, the control and restraint and attacking of another human body, basically using your own, you're going to use joint locks and you're going to use chokes and uh, progressing in jujitsu usually comes with a reasonable understanding or awareness of human movement Also, if I want to learn how to twist an arm in a way that it doesn't go, I need to appreciate the ways that it does go. And usually, you know, some nice things are highlighted in your own body. But yeah, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is it's very, very popular martial art. Uh, A lot of people would say not this isn't the claim from myself, but a lot of people would say it's among the most effective martial arts, whether that's for self-defense. It has been proven to be the most effective or among the most effective uh, in the mixed martial arts scene, which is what the UFC is. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a really, really fun way to spend your time. And there's some really cool jujitsu clubs all around the world. It's a really, really accessible sport. Um, you, you're not going to get punched and kicked in the face. You can see Brian, how handsome I am still <laughs> 10 years into my training. Uh, and yeah really really cool there's there's guys and girls of all ages training well not at the moment unfortunately because of the lockdown but training in my club um and yeah fantastic martial art really really accessible fantastic cardio workout fantastic self-defense great for your body awareness um and like i mentioned earlier a really nice way to network with people of all sorts you know typically if you go to a and this is something this isn't a criticism necessarily, but typically if you go to a football team, for example, you're going to have the football lads or the football girls. And if you go to a weightlifting environment, you're going to have a, a certain crowd. And if you go to a yoga class, you might have a certain crowd. Not to say that any of these crowds are bad or good, 
But mm. what I find really interesting about a jujitsu gym, you have everybody. And I really mean everybody. So really cool um, way to socialize even as well, which I'm dying to get back to as soon yeah. as you can, Brian. And in relation to the breath work, yeah, it is, you know, breath work, I think, and breathing, it's, it's in all sports and awareness of it. It, it would be silly to, to not draw your awareness to it. But I think, unfortunately, we're a little bit clouded sometimes when we talk about the breath work, because, for example, I've had this experience with the Breathing Deadly page and the breath work that I'm doing is very much a strength exercise in, in a way I I'm using, I'm working muscles here and I'm using the muscles of my core and I'm protracting my shoulders and I'm learning to do things with a rib cage that I hadn't really done in a long time. And I'm not really making any consideration for oxygen or carbon dioxide, or I'm not making really any consideration initially for parasympathetic nervous system or rests and relax or fight and flight. I'm not really thinking about any of this, just thinking about the structures of the body and the shape that the body takes and needs to take to accommodate a big inhale and hopefully a big exhale. And I think there's some confusion, certainly in my experience of sports, that as long as you're just getting air in in any way, people think about the breath purely from a fitness perspective or people think about the breath purely from a meditative perspective. And yes, those things are cool, but there's something bigger at play in my opinion, and it's the actual biomechanics of the breath and what is or isn't moving in your body in order for you to draw that inhale in and get that exhale out. And humans are very complex structures and lots of things do different jobs. And the muscles of the core in a typical training environment, people talk about them as just like a stabilizers. You're gonna squeeze the muscles of your core and this keeps you strong. But the muscles of the core are attached to the ribs. The ribs should be moving when you're breathing. And if the muscles of the core aren't capable of bringing those ribs all the way back small and allowing them go all the way back big, we're missing a, we're missing a huge trick. And that's something that I certainly was. And there's people in the jujitsu scene, Brian, that can do the, I'm not sure of the, there's obviously a yoga name for this, but do you know when you, you suck your belly in and you make mm -hmm. your abs move around loads and stuff? And I always thought, wow, that that's that's breathing expert. But mm -hmm. that, it, in general terms, that doesn't really relate to anything. You know, just being that, that's fantastic display of of uh, control in a specific range. But the, the, there's a particular video I'm thinking of of a famous jujitsu fighter called Hickson Gracie, and he's mm -hmm. sitting on the beach, cross-legged, and he's breathing through his nose very fast, and his rib cage is just massive. And it doesn't move at all, but the muscles of his core move lots. Mm. And I looked at that years ago and I was like, wow, anything this guy says about breathing must be true because look at that cool thing he can do with his abs. Mm. And I thought that was his diaphragm. People, he said, that's a diaphragm exercise. So I'm looking at what's going on behind his belly button, the, his six pack and his TVA and everything moving around. And I'm going, wow, that's his diaphragm. Cool. But that's not his diaphragm. That's, you know, this is a cool thing, but it's not breathing. You mm. know, what I do isn't breathing. It's just one part of it. I guess the, the, the full circle here, Brian, should be do a little bit of work on the biomechanics of the breath, like how we are moving the muscles, the bones, the joints, and to do some work on the biochemistry of the breath 
the O2, the CO2, and then also doing some work on the breath for a mental health perspective, whether that is slowing your breathing rate down, breathing through your nose a little bit more regularly instead of breathing through your mouth. But I haven't found a practice that accommodates all three. Uh, even the even the Postural Restoration Institute or PRI for short is where I learned and obviously Mr. David Gray primarily, but officially to get the qualification, I worked with PRI, which is a crowd in America that really talks about this rib and internal uh, rotation and external rotation of a rib. And the first course I did was called postural respiration, literally how the, the, the respiration, the breath affects and and stagnates in some sense to a posture um but they didn't talk at all about oxygen co2 really mm. i did a constructor's course with oxygen advantage uh patrick mckeown an irish guy he didn't talk at all about the rib cage internally and externally rotating he didn't really talk about certainly in my experience he didn't knock the nail on the head about some of the muscles and joints and actions that should be at play here and neither of those guys did a job to communicate the mental health or the meditative mm. portion of it as well, which is obviously something um, that yourself as a yoga instructor would obviously have lots of experience with. So I think all of us have a piece of a puzzle and I think there's a problem and there's, cause you see things like a Wim Hof, Brian, for example. And in one way, I think some of all of us do more harm than good because people will see our practice and they'll say that's breath work you know and we're everyone is breathing technically technically anything is breath work unless you're holding your breath which is also probably yeah. breath work so any type of awareness on the breathing people just usually go yep yeah, i'm doing breath work and i think that's tricky you know yeah for sure the the exercise that hicks and gracie so in yoga that's called nolly uh, that kind of like churning and, and moving of the abdominal muscles. And although I've seen it as well, that this gets linked in with, with breathing, traditionally that was more so, it's what's called a kriya. And a kriya is like a cleansing exercise. And that's mainly about what the, uh, the idea behind this is it's kind of um, stimulating and churning the digestive organs to get things moving sort of well. But I think that's a... For me, anyways, coming from a yoga background, and I know particularly at the beginning of my sort of yoga journey, before I really kind of got a little bit obsessed with breathwork stuff, there would have always been this link with breathing and the belly, that sort of correct breathing or good breathing, diaphragmatic breathing even would be called belly breathing, about yeah. sending your breath down into your belly. And your work, what you seem to more specifically focus on is the rib cage and in particular mm -hmm. the, the mobility and the flexibility, for want of a better word, of the rib cage. And I think rib cage is a bit of an unfortunate name because you might sort of think of the rib cage as being something that's stiff or yeah. a bit more about stability or protection when in reality it's something a bit more fluid than that, let's say. So I was wondering if you might yeah. speak to that a little bit, the importance of the rib cage, how it relates to breathing and the effects of, say, you know, not using our rib cage optimally, what kind of effects that has on the rest of the body? Of course. And Brian, 
once this was presented to me, it, I was just kind of like, oh yeah. But what I'm, what I'm about to say, the lungs are in the rib cage. The lungs aren't in the belly. And when someone says breathe into your belly, that's physically impossible. You can, you can breathe and move your belly, but you're not breathing into your belly. And if you are, you need to go to A&E very quickly <laughs> to get your lung pu uh, puncture repaired. You know? yeah. um, what, is, what, is, what is in your belly is your, all the things that you said Hicks and Gracie is uh, massaging his digestive tract, his intestines, his organs, which is what David actually said to me, David Gray, about said exercise. He said, Chris, that's not a breathing thing but he's likely having a good time down there with his organs. I'm sure there's some nice things getting massaged in there. Um, the lungs are in the rib cage. And in an ideal world, when we take a full expansive inhale, what we should see is 360 degrees of expansion of our rib cage. The chest can lift, yes, but the back should also move. The thoracic area of the rib cage at the back, the left and right of the rib cage should expand laterally as well. So out to the left and right. The opposite should also happen on an exhale. I should be able to contract, for want of a better word, or depress the rib cage in 360 degrees, which is the one that not a lot of people can do. And you see many people walking around, Brian, particularly when they take their T-shirt off with very visible rib cage through the front of the skin, especially if the person is lean and the rib cage itself appears very, very large. Um, it's in its biggest open expanded state and the muscles of the core that are supposed to bring that guy back a little bit smaller, just don't really get to um, work as hard. A nice little exercise that I like to do and perhaps people that are listening can join in and you can see how this goes but I would place a hand on the chest and I would place a hand on the stomach this is less an exercise and more an assessment and I might ask the person who's listening to using your nose in and out let's start to take some big breaths okay big as in complete okay breathe all the way in breathe all the way out as you're doing this, you could be sitting in front of a mirror. This would be obviously something that I would ask you to do. And I'd be looking at you as this happened. And some things that I would look out for in a front of the body breather, someone who's breathing into the belly, breathing too much into the chest and isn't getting much expansion in the back or the sides at all. Some things, Brian, that I'd expect from them would be the hand that's on the chest as they inhale might rise up quite high as I'm looking at it, the shoulders, either side of the head might rise up quite high as I'm looking at it. And the muscles of the neck, particularly on the sides, might engage at the help draw that rib cage up in the front. Mm. I might also see the hand on the belly. And this is in an instance of a belly breath, like we talked about. But I might also see the hand on the belly moving lots here. To simply draw your attention to that is something that I had never done for a long time. I, I had never considered that there was anything noteworthy about the shapes that my body was making to draw that inhale and exhale. But when you think about that, you do this 20, 25,000 times a day, half of your day, if you take that big inhale and you are someone who goes chest up, belly out, ribs out, half of your day is spent like that. Mm -hmm. And if you can't get all the way into the opposite, probably all your day is spent like that. And this is problematic because if we can appreciate that someone who breathes too much into the front of the body here 
that big chest lift. And if that wasn't you, as you listen to this, do it for me. So lift your chest and let your belly puff out as you take that inhale. Consider all of the muscles of your back have tightened. Consider your shoulder blades have probably come back a little bit, your lower back in particular, your mid back. And these are always areas that cause people complaint. People all, people never say, oh, I have sore abs. People always say, I have sore back, I have sore upper back, I have a lot of compression there, a lot of compression in the low back. And when you draw your attention to that physical shape, and if you're not sure what I'm talking about, again, exaggerate it, hand on the chest, hand on the belly. As you take the breath in, allow the breath to move those guys. And you'll see, oh my God, yes, the back of my body is very tight here. Worse again, if you do it with your mouth, okay? So if you put your hand on your chest and your hand on your belly, and as if you're getting a surprise in a movie, if you go, <gasps> and you take a big gasp like this, <gasps> even more. So then you think about someone who likes to exercise, whether they're on an exercise bike or in an exercise class, they might even be, breathing more into the front of their body and tightening up the back and why this was a problem for me brian i had a sore back sore lower back chronically tight back muscles chronically extended spine shoulders back and down lots and lots of compression which was eventually visual on an mri and confirmed and dealt with surgically on an mri the disc bulge that all of this pressure was creating but it was never until I met David pointed out to me, hey, you're like you're moving into that position, the position that causes you pain every time you take an inhale, you're doing it, you know, and perhaps that's why you're in that position, because thousands and thousands and thousands of times a day, a week, a month, a year, I'm taking this position and muscles that are tight at the back okay if we can appreciate that extending the rib cage to the front of the body tightens up the back those are the muscles that are contracting to externally rotate is what that's called your rib cage well there's also muscles that should be capable of contracting to internally rotate your rib cage and it's basically all of the muscles of the core like anything that someone in the gym would consider a core muscle it's likely attached to your ribs and muscles jobs is to move bones. And unless your core muscles are capable of, and if you even think about, I have my lovely rib cage model here, but if anyone even just visualizes their rib cage at home and where it ends, well, what starts directly underneath your rib cage is your abs. And it's not just your abs, but let's make it easy and think about your six pack abs. Those, if, if your ribs stick out and up and open or you belly breathe lots, you don't have abs. And everyone appreciates the importance of abs, I hope. you know. Let's imagine the whole core, though, not just the abs. So yeah, someone who breathes too much into the front of the body, someone who externally rotates their ribs, someone who breathes into their belly, uses their neck a lot, we could expect chronically overworked and tight muscles in the back whether this causes them pain or not i don't know but let's expect those tightnesses and limitations in the back and then let's expect the exact opposite in the front almost dormant core muscles in the front because they need to say if i'm a belly breather i my six-pack needs to be loose all day and you typically see in a in a belly breather particularly someone who's lean brian and skinny you see at rest a belly even though they don't have any fat per se, and you see a, a chronically tight lower back and their lower back has become their support in this case. 
the diaphragm even and its attachments it, the diaphragm sits in that rib cage and a flared rib cage which is what we would call that chest out and belly breath in the front a flared rib cage is a flared diaphragm your diaphragm is also attached to your lower back a flared diaphragm is a pull forwards into it's not hip extension it's spinal extension uh, which often leads to an anterior pelvic tilt which would be your private parts pointing down to the floor and your bum sticking out a little bit behind you and these are very 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 common postural problems that there is thousands of youtube videos and internet posts of here's an exercise to fix this but unless you identify the cause you cannot find the fix because as to to stretch something to fix a anterior pelvic tilt or to do a weight lifting exercise to correct an anterior pelvic tilt assumes that the lack of both of those things is what caused it. Oh, well, you just weren't stretching enough. That's how you ended up like that. Or mm, you weren't doing enough glute bridges. That's how you ended up like that. But no, it's something that we do much more regularly than a trip to the gym or a trip to the yoga mat is inhale and exhale. And unless we can get those things under control, we're in big trouble. Um, one thing that I learned on all of this is that our brains and our nervous system don't really care about your posture in any way at all. Uh, it has, it's easier for that person to breathe into the front of their body. The, my back, my body doesn't care if my back is sore. My body just cares that I can consistently and cheaply, which is the important word there, cost effective inhale and exhale. And for me, it was more cost effective at a time leading up to my surgery to breathe just constantly into the front of my body and lock up the back. Uh, and restoring some function there has really, really helped me. So rest restoring my core function through breath work, meaning finding that internally rotated rib cage position, being able to completely shut my rib cage down and move the rib cage. There's massive range of motion. And I've, I never thought about how you said it, Brian, that it is an unfortunate name. When David Gray in our consultation took his rib cage out for me and he started moving it around, I was going, yeah, but, but mine can't do that. You know, that's, I thought, a, I thought rib cage was like nose. You have a big nose. Your rib cage looks like this. You have big ears. You know what I mean? I thought it was <laughs> just a nondescript part of your body, but no, uh, massive, 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 uh, impact and and you know correlation with the whole rest of the body the stuff that's happening at the ribs is likely happening at a pelvis stuff that's happening at the ribs is likely affecting a neck and a low back stuff that's happening at the ribs is likely affecting uh, shoulder mobility and, and strength and power as the ribs affect the pelvis now we're all of a sudden talking about the legs and all of this is because of how we breathe if you're breathing causes this postural change everything else is is you know affected whether it's sport whether it's health whether it's just sitting at home with the kids trying to trying to get down onto the floor and play with the kids whatever it is unless we can get the breathing under control i think we're missing a, a huge beat yeah i i i would have been and it's still something i i work on but i would have been when the people you described of the the flared ribs and the anterior tilt of the pelvis. And for me, for a long time, I actually thought that was good posture because I was yeah, sort of, I was standing up straight. My shoulders were back. I wasn't slouched 
forwards, but sort of in a way you're kind of slouched backwards, if that makes sense. It's yeah, the absolutely. the common compression we get at the front of the body in a kind of slouch position. You're just switching that into the back of your body. Mm. And now I never experienced an injury to the extent that you did, but I definitely would have been the case that like, okay, I feel, I feel good. I feel open to my chest. I feel like I can breathe a bit more fully, but I also have a really tight back. And I'm not sure if you've done much yoga before, but you'll probably be aware of the, the kind of final resting position in yoga where we take Shavasana, basically just lie flat in the back of your body. And I would have always been these people that my lower back would have just shot up away from the ground. Mm-hmm. I would have had this huge arch in my lower back when my body would be at rest. And I remember the first time I was sort of instructed and cued to breathe into the back of my body. And it was just a game changer. There's just this sense of space and release and opening that I'd never really felt before. It's just a really, really amazing thing. And again, the importance of, of the ribs and being able to close the ribs, as you were saying, I think it's something that a lot of people really don't appreciate how important that is and i how i actually funny enough came to appreciate the importance was through learning handstands because like you're saying to 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 bring your arms overhead which is something that you need to be able to do in a handstand your ribs is going to have a huge impact on your ability to do that and specifically your ability to close your ribs because for a lot of us once you bring our arms up overhead there's this popping of the ribs and arching of the spine that are shoulder mobility kind of gets locked on to our rib mobility to a certain extent Mm. and so for me learning how to bring my arms up overhead in a more effective way is hugely got related to how i was able to then close in the ribs and that actually by kind of closing and gaining more control over the ribs then gaining so much more control and freedom in the shoulders and in the arms and i think that's one of the things that maybe not everybody, of course, but sometimes can get forgotten about in the practice of of breath work is that in many ways, it's a a strength practice that as as nice as breath work can be, as relaxing as it can be, all of these sort of other benefits we can get from it. At its core, it's a physical practice. And particularly if we have things that we need to improve, it's a strength practice. It's, It's very much a practice of learning physical control as much as anything else yeah i agree it, but it even it, to make it even really simple the muscles of your body have jobs the bicep for example everybody's familiar with the job of your bicep and if you're not you can just flex it a few times and you'll notice oh it's moving my arm like so it's be- it's flexing the joint of the elbow you could think about your quad and the machine in the gym that you would use to flex your quad you're going to extend your leg well the muscles of the core have a job as well and it's to move the ribs mm. and if they and it's just really as simple as that and we don't train them like that we take other muscles through full ranges of motion but we do not take the core muscles through full ranges of motion and how i elicit uh, like an exercise in my bicep people will be familiar with a bicep curl well how do i uh, elicit exercise or contraction of those core muscles to move the ribs it's through hopefully a long and complete and prolonged exhale and that's something again that people can try now and if you've ever laughed so hard that you got a sore six-pack or sore belly 
that's kind of similar to what's at play here. You're exhaling so much without taking anything in. And that forced ha, 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 ha of the air out is just a contraction, contraction, contraction. Now, that doesn't mean that it's good. There's optimal and suboptimal ways to do everything. And that's interesting as well that I got crucified, Brian, about uh, the handstand recently enough, right? Because I posted a photo on my Breeding Deadly page talking about handstands, which is something mm -hmm. that I cannot really do. I can get there for a second, but it's not something that I've ever practiced. And it's something that I find very impressive and admirable skill, of course. What I tried to show everybody was that in the handstand, and I'll tell you how I got crucified now in a sec, in the handstand, I was noticing in examples of good handstands, when I saw people not with a t-shirt, their ribs and their core and their pelvis are not connected. What's connecting them is their low back. And I can tell this because I look at their ribs and I see a, a big scoop. I see the ribs sticking out still. I see a six pack that's not engaged and is not connecting. And, and it's visually confirmed by that drop off. If people aren't sure what I mean, you can, you can suck your belly all the way in to your spine. Now suck it and your belly button, try to touch your spine. And if you rub your hand down your front, you'll feel ribs, 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 big drop off core. Mm -hmm. And that's a core that's doing something but not pulling my ribs and I can move my ribs up by moving my lower back and I can move my ribs down by moving my lower back, but I did not move my ribs with my ribs and often what's cued in, and this isn't to have a go at any particular uh, practice, but in a, my experience of a Pilates class, for example, drop the ribs. That was one of the few times I did hear about the ribs, drop the ribs, but press the low back into the floor. Well, that's how you dropped them with your low back. You put your low back into the floor and continuation up the spine. The ribs dropped here a little bit as well. Pull the belly button back towards the spine as well is another thing cued to brace your, your core, but it's, it's not doing it because your, your ribs didn't move. Um, a cool, I get everybody to try again. If you're listening, I don't want to do this straight into the mic to ruin everyone's ears, but if you're watching this or if you're listening to this on your phone or wherever you're listening, hold your phone in your hand and I want you to fog up the screen with your mouth as if you're going to like this, but just go for as long as you can and don't stop and consider what's going to happen at your ribs here and at your core. And I'll do it now as well with you, right? So I'm taking an inhale through the nose and then I'm And if you particularly, if you get a long one, you're going to feel your core and hopefully you feel your ribs moving. And if you do, well, that's the start. That's not the exercise, but that's an, a tip of the cap to the exercise. That's me going, look, you can do those things. Um, and if you felt your six pack, if you felt the muscles at the side of your core, if you felt the deep muscles beneath that working there, that's what I'm talking about. That's the opposite of that big, what I would consider crappy inhale. Um, and why I got crucified with the handstand, Brian, was because I was just I was just using the handstand as an example to show people that when we see that big drop off, and actually go back to that drop off. So if you suck the belly all the way in, like I talked about, rub the hand down the chest, you're gonna feel ribs, 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 drops off to the belly button. However, 
if you put your hands in the same position and you do your big exhale, and when you get to the end of it, keep going, keep going, then rub your hand down your front. It's flat. There's no drop off between the, that's the ribs have come down internally rotated that rib flare that people might be familiar with is essentially gone. It's hidden. And if I looked at that person doing a handstand, they're going to be flat in the front. Now I understand that that's not how you do a handstand. And that's where I got in trouble because people are telling me hands. I have some friends who are like, uh, acrobats and performers and physical performers. And they're saying, look, Chris, I get you, but that is how you do a handstand because you need, to, you, you do stabilize yourself with your low back and stuff. And I'm saying, okay, I know that's fine. I wasn't commenting on the exercise rather visually. I think Brian, if we got someone off the street and you're going to have to do the handstand, cause I can't, <laughs> if you hop, if you pop up into a handstand, and we take off your t-shirt and we can see that drop off with the ribs, which probably is there because you're doing a good handstand. And we asked the person on the street, is his core working there? They would say, yes, surely. We visually, we need to get used to the idea of a rib cage sticking out like that and a big drop off with a dysfunctional core. Um, especially if we are stuck there. It's these, these are positions that I understand are necessary. Handstand, you have to do it many moves in jujitsu you have to externally rotate puff out your chest pull your shoulder blades back and down but it's not until we kind of pay attention to how often we do these things brian let's say i was a i'm going to use my practice as an example but you might refer it to yours as well so not only are we breathing into the front of the body thousands of times a day but then i go to the weightlifting room and every exercise i do i pull my shoulder blades back and down and if you pull your shoulder blades back and down as you're listening to this, you'll find similar external rotation of a ribs and similar tightening of a back. I'm going to then do some cardio and I'm going to do the cardio on the rowing machine in the gym. Same thing, big chest out, breathing into the front of the body. I'm going to do some uh, running and because of the running, I'm maybe breathing through my mouth and now I'm breathing into the front of my body again. You could imagine uh, a yoga practice. You are inhaling as you lift the chest to the sky. You are inhaling as you bring your shoulders back and down. I appreciate this isn't all yoga. I'm just giving a quick mm -hmm. example. But it's not until we go, oh my God, I'm doing that all of the time. Literally all day, I'm tightening my back and opening my front. And those that internal rotation, the compression of the rib cage, the activation of 360 degrees of your core is literally stranger to us it's and you hear people say one of the common uh thing people people have brought up with me in conversation brian is wow i've always been cued to breathe into the back someone has always said to me in a in a breathing class now fill up your back but you can't just do that that's the same as going to a class and going okay, everybody squat 200 kilos. It's like, well, you have to, my muscles don't do that, you know? Um, yes, humans are capable of it, but I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff over Zoom over the last while, Brian, and not one person has been able to do that initially, mm -hmm. me included at the start. So it's not, a, it's not a conscious thing. We're not breathing into the front of our body because we're thinking about it and we're choosing to. We're breathing into the front of our body could have been started to go back to what you said about David's questionnaire could have been started by 
a small injury or period of stress that you had many years ago and you just kind of stayed there. I've shared a cool video on my Instagram yesterday of there's a, a like a popular internet meme video going around and it's this kid he has his top off and I, I, I guess he's somewhere in South America and he's playing a very popular game on his mobile, uh, PUBG, right? It's a little shooter game on his mobile and he gets killed, I guess, and he smashes his phone and the phone breaks. And this kid is, looks like he's about eight years old. And he, as he realizes what he's done, he starts to kind of panic and his chest starts getting really big. His neck starts getting, he's not crying. He's just breathing fast mm. and he's breathing extra into the front of his body. And it happened instantly. And my post was to kind of illustrate, imagine you were always stressed. Like this kid got stressed and instantly he started breathing like that. Imagine you were always stressed. I've heard you talk about, you like to put, you see, put your hand on your daughter's, congratulations by the way, but on your daughter's back, <laughs> feel it expand and contract. Let's hope she never loses that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but what you might also think about your daughter, think about when she cries, <gasps> everything into the front of the body. Stressed makes you breathe like that. But breathing like that makes you stressed, you know, mm. and true, we could, some people could have, I, I gave no thought to my breath work until I ended up in this sticky situation. But I know some people who have through breathing practice ended up in that position, which is the crazy mm. thing. Imagine you did a weight, imagine you tried to lose a little bit of weight and you hopped on the exercise bike and you did that for six months and you gained a hundred kilos because of it. Mm. And that's a similar thing to some experience that I have heard about and people have referred and chatted to me about in our consultations. Wow. I, I was practicing the thing that you're saying not to do, you know, and I think that's sticky. And that goes back to what I was saying about people's now awareness of breath work and guys like Wim Hof being on Joe Rogan's podcast and stuff. And that's, Joe Rogan and his podcast does as well, in my opinion, as much harm as good in a lot of cases, because people just think it's gospel, you know, and you do a Wim Hof, you do a Wim Hof practice and then they go, yeah, Chris, Brian, we're all doing the same stuff. We're doing breath work, aren't we? I'm doing Wim Hof. You're doing uh, yoga and those practices. Chris is doing that weird rib stuff. <laughs> we're, we're in a gang together. And not to say that we're against each other, which we are, which we aren't, but we are all just pieces of the puzzle. And if I, if I displayed some of the problems that I was talking about, that extend that, that you talked about as well, that anterior tilted pelvis, that rib flare, chronic tightness of the back, well, I'd not rush into a Wim Hof. I would like to learn about the opposite here. If I have a performance an endurance event coming up, I'm back onto Wim Hof to learn a little bit maybe about that. If I have to go deep sea diving and I need to hold my breath, I'm back onto Wim Hof. If mm -hmm. I want to learn for a meditative practice, maybe that's where I look for the yoga teacher. If I, and of course, you don't have to, someone could just do yoga or Wim Hof or Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because they like it. So mm -hmm. that there's no, you don't have to do these. You don't have to do anything. However, if you have a particular problem, it's not a one size fits all approach, the breathing. And cause I, it confuses a lot of people, Brian, you might imagine, especially my close friends. They saw that I had quite a serious back injury. They saw I couldn't really move. My quality of life was bad. They see me now. And I say, yeah, I'm doing these breathing exercises and they must be going, what are you talking about? Like, how? 
they're imagining me doing something like Wim Hof and waking up in the morning and my back feels better, you know, but rather my back feels better because I have trained the muscles of the core, not just to internally rotate the ribs, but I have trained them to internally rotate the ribs and them getting stronger at that has taken the pressure off my low back has repositioned my diaphragm to a more natural position within the rib cage, which has also based off its attachment points, taken some pressure off my low back. And that big inhale that I do now, Brian, if I put my hand on my chest and my belly now, I take a big full inhale and my shoulders don't go. It's not that my chest doesn't move and it's not that my belly doesn't move. Everything moves. I fill up in 360 degrees here. And that took me months of daily, daily dedicated practice in the same way to achieve some of the advanced poses in yoga is going to take months of practice. That's not to say that you're not going to find benefits of yoga as a beginner today. And that's also not to say that you're not going to find benefits of this practice today. Um, but there's, there's a lot of work involved, particularly if you're like me and you, Brian, and you, we, now you said that you didn't have the injury. So if you're like me, particularly if you're really, really big chest out in the front, compressed back, We've got to get the head down here and do a little bit of research on this too, because that's the most important thing. If you have a problem, you got to, yes, find someone who knows how to help you, but you're going to have the best results if you figure it out yourself a little bit too. Yeah, for sure. A few really interesting things you touched on there. And I think one of the, definitely one of the things that I've found most useful to really appreciate and understand is this idea that there's so many different ways we can do things. Um, that, that we do possess the sort of inbuilt capacity for sort of flexibility to do things in different ways. And like you said, breathing into your chest is not inherently bad. Breathing into your belly is not inherently bad. Um, where we start to get problems or where things start to become an issue is when you're doing one thing all of the time. Yeah. And that's when things can be things can get problematic when it can lead to overuse or underuse and that's when we get the little issues with injuries and stuff but what i also think is really interesting like you said is the the visual aspect of things that we can sometimes like we can sometimes get a little bit caught up in the visual side of things and thinking that you know like you said a, a kind of an open chest and open ribs is a good thing because visually it looks more open or maybe appealing than the opposite which is the kind of slumped in rounded position sorry well interestingly because that, that's a great point and that's where i would have been caught up as well but that's not the opposite mm. that's the opposite in the sense that both of them are are bad and both of them are at excuse me this is a better way of saying this they are the opposites but the desired outcome here isn't to find the opposite. It's to find the middle. We need to get back to the middle. Uh, someone who we could imagine being slouched all the way over is going to have a similar set of problems, you know, in, elsewhere in the body as someone who's puffed all the way out. We need to find a middle posture. In, in reference to it looking good, exactly how I would have thought as well, under a T-shirt, under a, under a hoodie, it looks good. You look big and strong t-shirt off all of a sudden it doesn't look good we can see bones sticking through skin and there's nowhere else in the body that you see a bone jutting out from under the skin and you say that's good also if you think about uh, our shoulders if i looked at someone from behind now if their ribs are sticking out in the front their shoulders are 
holding a pencil between them at the back almost you know uh, retracted shoulders here at the back and the skin on the back is going to be wrinkled and and bumped up if i pull my chin all the way back to my neck i get a triple chin here very quick it's evident based on the folds of the skin that that's not a natural resting position for my head it's also evident based on the ribs trying to escape the front and everything being bunched up in the back that that's not a natural resting position either these are mm. this is just the end of an extreme and crazily enough i can not to 100% success but you can i can tell a massive amount as i'm sure david was able to do with me i can tell a massive amount about how someone's breathing by just seeing a photo of them with their top off and you can almost prepare the treatment plan as it were as it were from a from a topless photo assuming that the person is you know lean enough to be able to notice some of these things and even still you can you can tell for example which side of shoulder is higher you get them to stand or sit to the side you might notice the chest is up a little bit high you might notice the head has come forward to accommodate that this stuff even affects the part of your foot you're standing on if you are someone who has a big belly and a lifted chest because of your breath likely you're maybe all heels or all toes now you know mm -hmm. you have a very straight leg now maybe your leg is locked and your quads are very very tight um it's, it's amazing the impact that it has but so i was sorry to interrupt but I, what i did want to say because that's exactly what people imagine someone like conor mcgregor okay and they think about his what you might consider rounded shoulders and he has a kind of a rounded back that's how you're supposed to look that's he is we like him or you hate him and i don't imagine many of your listeners are going to like him but he his physique as it were is a great example of some of the stuff that i'm talking about if you pull up a photo of conor mcgregor particularly from looking at him from the side he has a big open expansive upper back thoracic that's where his lungs are he has that if he rubbed his hand down the front of his body he has rib cage and abs and pelvis all in line he doesn't have that big drop off so he's capable of internally rotating those ribs and his the reason why someone's resting position would be in that externally rotated one is because those muscles are stronger those muscles at the back of the body holding us there are stronger but his core muscles are stronger for, to put it simply which is obviously advantageous elsewhere in life to have a strong core um, and if we imagine someone like that with a big back and a slightly protracted compared to the man on the street a slightly protracted shoulder if i ask them to put a hand on the chest and a hand on the belly take the big breath in they're probably not going to send the chest to the sky the shoulders probably aren't going to go and if i had my hands on their back like your daughters that's where you're going to feel it fill up you know so it, it looks strange because everyone is externally rotated 99 percent of people and i'm thinking even the people in my jiu-jitsu gym I like to go to like a, a regular fitness gym where there's a swimming pool and a sauna and a changing room. Not that I'm just looking at everyone the whole time I'm in there, Brian, but you can tell it's obsessed. Isn't the right word because I, I just, for my own curiosity, I'm like, Oh, what's, what's everyone doing over here? But it's very, very interesting how much you can learn just by looking at someone, which is why I'm so frustrated with the treatment process that I was prescribed up until finding this method me doing a few short online courses 
is in a better position to aid someone with that particular, with the same back problem that I had, then, you know, many professional, well-paid doctors and physiotherapists and stuff. And it's not to knock that as a profession or to discredit them. It's just to say that this is, and I didn't invent this stuff either, which is why I can also confidently preach about it, you know, because I'm not blowing my own horn here. I'm just, I'm just passing some stuff on that I learned. But yeah, very, very interesting and very obvious to the eye. And once you start to see what correct looks like, it looks very appealing, very, very, very appealing, um, very, very strong and often very slim around the waist. Re refer back to earlier in the chat, we said someone who does that belly breath regularly is almost going to have a permanent belly, particularly a lean person. It might look like they're semi-pregnant or they had a big dinner last night. And that's just at rest. And that's because that area needs to stay loose because when you breathe, you move that area lots. And for, to just really recap, that's not the air that you breathe in through your nose. That goes into your lungs. The air, it's not air. The movement in your belly is the diaphragm pushing down or in a belly breath out. The diaphragm is pushing mm -hmm. out and your intestines and all the organs that you said Hicks and Gracie is massaging. We are just forcing those out through the front of the, the body. And if you were to take a, you know, the abs exercise where you drop a medicine ball on your stomach to kind of tell that you're tensing it. If you drop the medicine ball on that person's stomach, it's not going to feel nice. You know, this is loose and full of air and it's likely going to make them spit all the air back out. That probably got everybody's ears. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big world. Yeah. I think, I think again, if we were to, to think of the visual aspect of things, I think there can be sometimes be like a misconception that a rounded or, or space in the back of the body is the same as slouched or the same yeah. as kind of like crumpling. And, and as you said that, okay, in a sense, the moving into the more extended position at the front is the opposite of that kind of position. That doesn't necessarily mean it's where we want to, it's, that doesn't necessarily mean that's how we want to balance being in that other position, let's say. Yes. And I actually think, again, not, not everywhere, not everybody, not every teacher, but I do think practices like yoga can sort of cause that sort of thing. Because in yoga, I think that can be a very, almost an idealization of things like back bends and chest opening and heart opening. And all of these, those things are amazing, really beneficial, but not if they are taking us beyond a place of balance, or at least not if we can, if we can't then return to a place of balance, that if we end up constantly being in this place of extension, that that has its own issues, as opposed to being in a place of, of flexion. And me personally, and this is where, this is where I find the breathing stuff is like so interesting is on an energetic level as well. I don't know if you've come across the idea of the red light, green light response. Have you ever come across that before? Not that analogy. So the red light response, these are kind of postural responses or postural reflexes that we have to stress commonly. So the red light reflex is the kind of the slouch position. We imagine someone like humped over a, a computer or like hung over on a couch, you know, that kind of like. And so that's sort of seen as the startle reflex. So if you experience stress and you then kind of go in on yourself maybe you start to feel anxious or nervous or afraid 
that gets reflected in this kind of hunched position. But then the green light, which is the kind of postural position you've been talking about quite a lot, is that opposite, the contraction of the back of the body and and moving forward at the front. And this is sort of seen as the investigatory response. So if you experience stress and you're like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to, I'm going to find out what's going on. I'm going to explore. And then again, these things are natural. We're capable of doing them, but if we get stuck in one of these, we tend to get stuck in not just the physical posture, but also the kind of energetic posture as well of maybe always experiencing worry and anxiety or the opposite, always feeling like we have to be doing something, always feeling like we have to, you know, this kind of like on the go sort of attitude. And yeah. And so for me, where I've tried to work on this kind of coming into balance, coming into, you know, sort of how I like to think of it at least is that you've got space in the front, but you got space in the back as well. You're kind of in this kind of place of center. You can explore that 360 breathing. Mm-hmm. I find that although it takes strength and control and um, focus, like you have to really pay attention to what's going on. I find it incredibly meditative because I feel like just in general, it brings me to a centered place. It makes me feel at least very present very kind of at, at balance um which again within the context of the physical side of things the the respiratory side of things all of these things i just think on an energetic level finding that balance is yeah. is so important so i was i was curious because to a certain extent you seem to take a very physical approach to these things have you found that spillover into the other aspects of your life in terms of you know mental health or energetically or yeah, Have you found yeah. that kind of spillover as well? Absolutely. And even from a very literal perspective, mental health massively, because as I mentioned earlier, I was through the, based off the injury and the prognosis, I was in a pretty dark place, you know, like I'm, I'm 32 now, Brian. And when this all, when this really bad bout happened, I was 30 and I'm going, oh my God, this is me at 30. What am, I can't really walk. Like what am I setting myself up for? And I had had a conversation with my younger brother about he works and Adam, he teaches jujitsu with me and capable, more than happy to leave the gym in his hands. But that's obviously not something that we ever wanted to permanently consider, you know, and, and I had a conversation with him one day going, Adam, like if, if I can't ever do this again, are you going to try to continue the gym or, you know, and so really, really, really bad spot. And in a very literal sense, this took me out of that spot pain wise gave me hope of recovery so instantly mental health dramatically improved and i know that's not what your question was but and i'll touch on that now in a second but really just very very big improvement yeah. in mental health outlook my, my i i thought that i was never going to i thought that i had tried everything and that i was never going to recover and then when i ex- was exposed to this i was like oh i've actually tried nothing like I've just tried weird stuff. I am hanging upside down and medicine and massage and strengthening my glutes and stretching my hip flexors. And it's like, that's not, that's not what the problem is. You know, the problem is this posture that's, but very much so. And even from a chemical perspective, I'm not someone, well, my jujitsu practice and my sparring in jujitsu, and this is what draws a lot of people to it. Many people 
say it's very meditative it's very centering you're very extremely in the moment you're you're dealing with and i don't romanticize it as much as this in my head i'm just down there squeezing people's necks kind of brian right so but it's kind of a dance with someone and you have to listen to their body and feel their body and try to predict their movement and consider what they're trying to get you so it's very very present activity so i would have found a lot of meditative benefits from that and i would have had massive stress relief and stuff from sparring and if you had asked me in a traditional meditation sense i would have struggled with it for sure and practice of course would have helped there but i would initially i would have struggled with it so i tied a lot of my stress relief and and you know, centering of my body or however you want to talk about it to my sporting endeavors, which were completely taken away from me. Um, and then just being able to get back and, and, and physically devote myself to something like this ha has boosted me massively. But then chemically, uh, my lung function is now better. Do you know, I'm able to take more air in, I'm able to, and this is, that's kind of confusing because as Mr. Patrick McKeown and the oxygen advantage guys would say, taking more air in isn't necessarily the best thing, but I'm, I'm able to breathe better. I'm able to exhale more air. I'm able to breathe more air in. I'm able to breathe less times throughout the day because of that. I'm able to do more full inhales and exhales. My heart rate has slowed as a process of that. I'm sleeping better. It's more comfortable for me to breathe through my nose than to breathe through my mouth. So all of these physical things just have an instant effect on the chemical side of it and i think everyone appreciates the meditative the mental health the healing uh, properties of breathing but to us to acknowledge that those things that 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 way of breathing feels nice should also be an acknowledgement that the way that you're breathing the rest of the time feels bad mm -hmm. and is bad and what we should seek is an, an, a type of exercise with the, with the power to restore a, like a resting feeling of calm and of a better breathing rate and better gas exchange and all the chemicals and the hormones that are being released as a, as a process of either <laughs> panic breathing or something a little bit slower. And that's certainly what I have found, you know, instead of in the moment doing an exercise to, to bring my awareness to that, I have found that purely just training the physical and whether that was something to do with, and Mr. Patrick McKeown and the oxygen advantage, there's plenty of free information available on YouTube about this, but improving my sensitivity and my tolerance to carbon dioxide helped me breathe a little bit less throughout the day increasing the capacity at my rib cage helped me breathe a little bit less throughout the day and all of these things have a real and you know very very powerful effect on alertness mood anxiety levels stress and sleep and it's just another area where i think people are a little bit confused with the breath work we know that there's we know that there's good there's a way to breathe to make this stressed person feel good but we don't look at how they are breathing when they're not in the class. And we don't consider that that's probably why they're stressed, you know, um, or that's probably why they have a sore back. So I've had massive without, without tapping into, I don't, there's none of that stuff in my personal practice. I feel though that I have restored 
a, a much better resting level of calm and a much better sleep quality just by training the physical in the same way I could go to the gym and exercise my bicep. And now where I work as a carpenter, now my bicep is better just without thinking about it. I can saw wood better. Well, if I exercise these areas better, likely I won't have to dip in and out of these 15 minute stress relievers. Not to say that those, those are obviously lovely things to do. Um, and not to say that you shouldn't do them, but perhaps you mightn't need them as much for someone who's like, right, I have to do my breathing exercises today or else I'm just all over the place. It's like a, it's a good acknowledgement that it's going to help you, but you're missing the point, I think. Certainly I was for myself. And the point is, if that helps and if that makes you feel good, it's very likely that the opposite is what's making you feel bad, you know? Yeah, I think, and again, for me personally, where I where breathwork really became this something that wasn't just like you said the thing that i did to relax for 10 minutes or you know if i needed like a bit of headspace okay i'm just gonna go do a breathing exercise to really appreciate that as you said towards the beginning you're always breathing so it kind of gives you you always then have the opportunity to tap into your breathing as not just a a a tool for for you know down regulation or even as a way to wake yourself up but as a tool for self-awareness and to understand that how you're breathing is kind of always saying something about how you are doing Mm. and what i really love and 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 value about your work is kind of being able to set those physical foundations for things to work optimally i think that's a, a really valuable thing because there can be and again not not, not always, not everywhere, but there can be a slight, what would you say, a slight kind of airy-fairiness to breathwork sometimes. And I think sometimes we can forget that it is a physical practice. And to get that correct, or to at least build the awareness of, yeah, those kind of foundations, I think is just so valuable. And I do actually think it bridges a lot of these different approaches that you're talking about that if you can bring it back to the physical thing then you have that better understanding of how it can make you feel more relaxed or how it can make you feel more energetic or how you can use it for mental health and that if you don't have that physical foundation it's much harder to access all of these other amazing benefits that we can get from our breathing no i agree i have a i'll touch a really quick analogy that'll hopefully nail some of this stuff even further for people at home but imagine that there were some sort of mental health benefits of moving my arm in a particular way okay so obviously we say breathing is capable of affecting our mental health positively like we've just spoke about right okay imagine now that there was a way of moving your arm that was going to really really calm you down and was going to do all of these fantastic health things for you it would be clear, I hope, that someone, imagine you had a really weak arm. And the thing that I'm doing with my arm, for example, is a bicep curl in the air beside me here. There's nothing, I'm just really fast waving my arm back and forth. Wow, this feels so good for mental health. But my arm is really weak and it's already tired and now I'm just bored of it, you know? (laughs) Well, the breathing that you're doing, that's good for your mental health. If you're not capable, if you don't have a strong arm, or in this case, if you don't have a strong torso, which is where all of that is happening, the, the torso and the trunk 
of the body is completely ignored for the most part in, in most training modalities that I have experienced. And if that area doesn't work well, well, then your Wim Hof isn't going to work well. Your yoga breathing isn't going to work well. Your Brazilian jiu-jitsu isn't going to work well. Uh, if you're someone who likes to lift heavy weights and you try to do, they call it the Valsalva maneuver, where you brace with the air, that's not going to work well. Um, these things could all work better if we just had a, and I guess that's my biggest, that's my biggest job is to try to just draw people's eye and to draw your attention to this part of your body is meant to do something and it's meant to move very similarly to your hand. If you couldn't move the fingers on your hand at all, and you couldn't, you could move your arm, but not your hand, you would be aware and you would acknowledge that that's a problem. And you might go to a doctor to try to figure out why. But if you cannot move the bones of your ribs, and there's so many joints and movement possibilities there, if you cannot move them in the way that they are designed, it just goes ignored. Nobody knows that this is something that you're meant to do. I say nobody. Before I, when I first found out about this, Brian, I was like, why did nobody talk about this before? But since I have, especially on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like this, there's a big network of people worldwide talking about this stuff. And um, it just isn't the status quo. And you'll know yourself in, in many ways, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and yoga share commonalities in terms of dedication and stuff. And you can see, like, for example, if I step onto the jiu-jitsu mat and I'm wearing a black belt, you're like, well, that guy's been doing jiu-jitsu for a long time. And if I see someone do to, to my untrained eye, a very advanced and difficult yoga pose. I'm like, wow, they've been doing yoga for a long time. And I, I appreciate that they must have put a lot of work in to achieve that. And we, we know about this, you know, and, and we just champion these things. We champion a posture that's going to suit your jujitsu or a posture that's going to suit your yoga or something. But not, in my experience, we just don't make that acknowledgement to, I am a human being going to a jujitsu class or I'm a human being going to a yoga class. And what is that human being capable of doing? Yet the ribs are going to go like this in a particular yoga pose. The ribs are going to go like this in a particular jujitsu technique. That's great. But a human invented jujitsu and a human invented yoga, yoga, jujitsu, and I'm purposely saying jujitsu to really highlight that I'm not having a pop at anything. I love jujitsu. That's, <laughs> that's my life. But I acknowledge that that's not what our body is for. And if all of my training is to make my jujitsu better, or if all of my training is to make my yoga better, or if all of my training is to make my weightlifting better, and notice how I'm saying all of my training, it's likely I'm going to run into some trouble because it's, that's not what I'm for. I'm for walking, running, and breathing pretty much. And if, if I can do those things well, walk, run, breathe, well, then I bet you I'll go into a yoga class and have a great time. I bet you I'll go to a jujitsu class and have a great time. But unfortunately, you're, you see lots of jujitsu people who wouldn't run very fast if you asked them for a race. And I'm just finding the same in a yoga class. And that's what our body is for. Whether you love to run or you hate to run, your body should be capable not of speed. I'd, I'm not talking about speed at, at all, but you should be capable of some of the joint articulations necessary to run and breathe. And that's what we're missing in basically all modalities that I have trained 
I'm sure there's a jujitsu instructor that knows about this. And I'm sure there's yoga instructors preaching this stuff and weightlifting instructors. It's just unfortunately not the status quo. Yeah. I do think it is starting to change though. I yeah, think I it's, um, I think through the work of people like yourself and again, what I'm, what I'm personally finding so amazing, and maybe it was just that I wasn't aware of it, but before I would have only really heard breathing talked about in the yoga world or even Pilates and stuff like that. But now, like I said, I've seen physiotherapists, people like David Gray, um, you know, really preaching the importance of the simple aspects of the breathing thing as well. That's what I've kind of noticed being the biggest difference. The, like I say that the physicality, the, the rib cage, the positioning of the pelvis, all this sort of stuff, and not just the kind of airy fairy breathe to achieve enlightenment which I think that stuff is really important, really amazing, but getting the kind of physical mechanics down is, yes. yeah, is definitely, is definitely key. So I know you've taken us through a few little exercises during the conversation, but if you were up for it, if you still had time, if you wanted to finish this off for our conversation by bringing us through a little practice, that'd be amazing. Of course, I'll, try, I'll do my best, Brian. And I, I think the, one of the best things that I can do is I'll, I'll draw everybody's eye after this maybe to my YouTube channel. We will do something now, but lots of this stuff is much better and much clearer with a visual confirmation of what you should be trying to achieve. And on my YouTube channel, which is Breathing Deadly, there's only one Breathing Deadly. So on, on the YouTube channel, um, you'll find some uploaded videos there that'll take you through a little bit of a better practice than this. What I'll try to do now is to just take everybody through that assessment a little bit again and to try to see if there's some things that we can do and we have the capability to do now to stop us breathing so much into the front of the body um, and give an introduction maybe through a good strong exhale of how to bring some of that internal rotation and stuff in. I'm sitting in a chair when I'm doing this. Uh, maybe other people are sitting or walking when you're doing this. This is best stationary and i will uh, encourage you to check out the youtube video later okay but if everybody who's listening could take that same position i'm sitting tall i'm not sitting i'm not going to say straight i'm just sitting tall in my chair i have a hand on my chest and i have a hand on my stomach and i can close my eyes i'm going to use my nose and i'm going to fill myself up like a balloon and i'm going to blow all the air out again with my nose nose in and nose out i'm going to do a few of these and i'm just going to draw my attention initially Imagine you were assessing yourself or imagine I was in front of you assessing this. I'm going to draw my attention to the shapes that your body is making to accommodate that inhale. And I'm seeing if there's a different shape to accommodate that exhale. If you're filling yourself up as big as possible is what I'd like you to do. I say big because I just want the shape to be really, really clear. Okay. I know that this isn't how you would normally breathe. I'll remind everyone that any breathing practice that you're doing, particularly if you're just listening to someone in your headphones, you've got to use your own filter. And if breathing big like this is uncomfortable for you, well, then you can stop. I want everybody to try to keep their hand on their chest and their stomach. And if you were lifting your chest and your stomach lots, I'd like to see if there's possibility to do the same type of inhale and not do that. Okay, well, if you're thinking to me, Chris, how am I possibly going to do that? Well, then maybe we have a little bit of work to do and that's no problem. Think of this not as an exercise. This is an assessment. Okay, can you still take a deep breath without letting your shoulders lift towards your ears, without letting your chest rise towards your chin and without letting your belly stick out? I'll remind you that all of that openness in the front 
is closing in your back. And for most people, that is something that we'd like to get out of. If everybody wants to take your hands and put them on your sides as if your hands are on your hips, but I'd like you to slide them up until you can feel your bottommost ribs. So I have elbows out to the side, hands on the ribs at the bottom. I'm imagining I still have a hand on the chest and the stomach. I'm trying to inhale without too much of a chest or a belly. And I'd hope to see some expansion into those hands. I'd love to feel the ribs at the bottom expanding left and right. And then as I exhale again through the nose, I'd love to feel that they come away from the hands a little bit. If they do, that's great. If they don't, don't worry. This is again, just an assessment and bringing your own eye to the parts of your body that move and the parts that don't move through your thousands and thousands of inhales and exhales daily, weekly, monthly, your whole life. This is an exercise and an, an exercise in a, in a mental sense but it's a very beneficial exercise to draw your eye to this. I'll ask everyone to take their hand and I'm going to squeeze my neck as if I'm choking myself, but very, very lightly. I have a thumb on one side of my neck and I have my four fingers on the other side, very, very lightly. I want you to take now a big, fast inhale, really fast. And I want you to feel how likely the muscles of the neck turn on a little bit. Maybe you pulled the chest up a little bit. I'd like you to go back to your normal breathing and try not to move the neck. Try to have the neck relaxed. Try to have the neck really, really gentle here. All of the breathing is happening below, okay? The core muscles and the diaphragm are facilitating this inhale, not the neck, the chest, the upper back extensors pulling up that rib cage. The last couple of things that I would have everyone try is to bring your breath as quiet as possible. A fast breath is a loud breath. If I asked you a minute ago to breathe in fast and feel that big expansion in the neck, you probably also heard your breath as well. Fast inhale for me is slow inhale through the nose is hopefully very quiet. Perhaps now that you do a quiet inhale, you have a better time taking it away from your chest and away from your belly. Perhaps now you have a little bit more awareness of the sides of the body. And if you could imagine my two hands on your back behind, I'd love to see if your inhale could get towards my hands. I have hands on your shoulder blades and in between on your upper back. A final little assessment here to confirm if you cover one nostril and take a really, really fast inhale again. So I squeeze it cl closed and I take, feel the congestion here. Feel how it's not, it's a little bit of turbulence. Everything is closing up. Let's keep the same nostril closed and take the slowest and quietest inhale that you can. Hopefully, no congestion, no chest, no shoulders, no neck. This is a cool initial assessment to just help draw everybody's attention to the shapes that you are making. And it's likely, assuming I didn't get any pictures of you, it's likely one of the first things that I would do with a client whether we were in person or whether we were online. I can kind of guess, but I need them to be able to, and you listening to be able to see, wow, when I do take that breath, it's exactly as Chris described, or mm, it's not so bad, or hey, it's already great. Drawing your attention to this is really important and likely something that you haven't done before. In terms of exercises and practice, 
they're a little bit more visual in terms of communicating them to someone who hasn't seen them before. And if you check out the YouTube channel, or if you check me out on Instagram at breathing deadly, you're going to see some free exercises there. I also have a really cool video. It's a little bit long, but it's about 20 or 30 minutes with my rib cage model. And I go in a little bit of a deeper dive as to visually what's happening to your torso as you take that inhale and exhale. Uh, that's on my Instagram and my YouTube as well. But yeah, in terms of in terms of a little practice, I hope that was interesting for everybody. Uh, what I'd love everyone to take from this today is the shapes that you that you make when you inhale and exhale. They do matter. They matter a lot. It's in the same way as if I was doing something funky with my arm thousands of times a day, you could expect something to happen good or bad in the muscles and the bones of my arm, the torso, and particularly the rib cage and the muscles of the core. Great things are going to happen here if we can draw our attention to that area and, and kind of strengthen it. And finally, we didn't get like that because of a mental decision. So a mental decision isn't going to get us out of that. Telling someone to breathe into their back isn't going to fix the problem. We need to train. And especially if you're in your 30s, your 40s, and you've been doing this for your whole life, likely you need to devote a little bit of time to this to get over that first plateau and to start to wake up some of those dormant muscles. Um, but I hope that was I hope that was of interest. That was awesome, man. Thank you so much. And Bruce, Brian. We'll definitely leave links to your pages and your YouTube channel show notes. And I would really recommend checking your stuff out or for those of you guys listening to check out Chris's work because one, I think you, you, you teach it amazingly, you know, your, your kind of passion is, is very evident, but I, I, I feel the work you do is really important because it does, it does offer kind of a, maybe like a balance point for, as you say, people who do lots of yoga, people who do lots of jujitsu or people who do lots of weightlifting that focusing on the kind of stuff that you focus on. Yeah. It's a good, a good balancing kind of centering point for, for then having the opportunity to go off and do all of the things that you, as you yes. say, that you love to do. Yeah, um, so listen, thank you so much for, for taking the time to have this conversation. I found that personally, I found that really valuable, really interesting. So Great, thank, thank you so you. much for sharing. Um, You're very welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day. And you. Thank you again. And hopefully I'll see you in person sometime soon. Maybe I'll take a trip out to Bray and you can choke yes. me sometime. Or, you know, <laughs> I'll choke you and then I'll resuscitate you through the power of <laughs> breathing. Sounds like a lovely way to spend the day. <laughs> Listen, thank you again, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Yes, you will. Cheers. Just want to say another big thank you to Chris for taking the time out to have this chat. Thank you to you very much for taking the time to listen. As I mentioned, you can find links to all of Chris's content in the show notes of the podcast. If you have any questions for me, you can reach out at thebreathworkclub.ie where you can also find info about upcoming classes, workshops, trainings and retreats. So thank you again for listening. Happy breathing.